Welcome, everybody. We are in another episode of It's Okay to Feel. My name is Ed Portillo. I'm the host and the program manager at NAMI Orange County. And this is NAMI Orange County's uh, long-form discussion on mental health and all the different issues that intersect mental health. And we are excited to have another topic that might not be as familiar with many people. Maybe they've heard it in a passing or maybe they are uh, science fiction fans and they've heard of this before, but uh, this this idea of artificial intelligence and how that's going to affect our mental health. And we have a really engaging guest, an expert in his field, an entrepreneur. I'll, I'll introduce him in just a sec. But if you're new to uh, NAMI Orange County, it stands for the National Alliance on Mental Illness. We are the Orange County affiliate in Orange County, California. And what we do is we support families, parents, and individuals that are affected by mental illness. We have classes, mentoring programs. We have a 24-hour warm line where you can get resources and counseling, or not not counseling, but, but advice somebody can to talk to. You can always uh, call our warm line. I'll put that into the show notes where you can reach out if you're looking for somebody to talk to or get some resources. And we also have uh, different forums that we do as well as this podcast. So we try to do our best to influence uh, individuals to um, get more involved in whether that's their family, their own uh, personal journey with their mental health, or if they're a parent and they have a child who is, uh, they think has a diagnosis or has a diagnosis. We want to um, be a positive influence and empower those uh, people uh, to better equip themselves to work and str- and go go along their lives and have successful lives with um uh, mental health so artificial intelligence something that is maybe not as talked about in the mental health field earlier this year i was uh, at the nami con which is the uh, nami national convention in minnesota and we were sitting i think it was the first night and a gentleman came up to us and just like introduced ourselves. Hey, I'm, I'm Varun. I'm, I'm from San Francisco. And I'm like, Hey, I used to live in San Francisco. Hey, Austin used to live in San Francisco. Where is San Francisco? We kind of hit it off. What ended up happening is, is Varun was there to not only um, kind of immerse himself in the NAMI kind of culture and what NAMI does, but um, he has a startup that is focusing on integrating mental health and AI that we'll get into. And we're also, um, he wanted to start conversations about this. How, what, what is the intersection between AI and mental health and how is that going to affect a lot of our lives? And so I'm happy to invite him here. So Varun Rishi is an analytics leader. He lives in San Francisco. He's an entrepreneur. He's starting a business um, that again, intersects uh, mental health and um, AI, and we're going to get into it. And so we're excited to, to welcome him here. Hi, hi Varun. Hi Ed, thanks for having me. Uh, very lucky to randomly sit with with you guys at, at that first night in NamiCon. I didn't really know anyone there, so I appreciate you being inviting. And yeah, I'm, I'm glad we got to share that experience together. Oh, absolutely. And even there was a side discussion. It was funny. The two two most interesting things happened at that NamiCon at that moment is that uh, Varun in the app, there's like an app that you can interact with everyone that's at the at the convention. And Varun said, hey, anybody who wants to meet, I'm just going to take get a table. We're just going to do an impromptu talk on really technology and mental health. And then it turned into this conversation about AI. That was one of the threads that it was there. And there was this large group and it, and we started talking. It was really engaging. And to my corner of my eye, I saw uh, a couple people in the group that started looking around and they both looked at each other and they looked around and looked around, but they're trying to pay attention. It's kind of like, do I leave this engaging conversation or something's <laughs> going on? And then I looked, I looked up and I was like, Oh, there's master P <laughs> master P's right there. They want to get master P's autograph or take a picture with them. And they ended up getting up and walking over there. That's what happened. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering, I was like, Oh, is this boring all of a sudden? But that makes sense. I can accept that. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was a great moment. I was like, wow, this is the most engaging conversation. And really something I'm learning at this conference, one of the best things that came out of it. And uh, yeah, and then that moment with Master P. So that was, it was, a, it, you know, it is also a reminder that, you know, technology is not going to replace everything. 
right? Yeah. We're still going to have human contact, human emotion, and um, memories and all those things entitled uh, to our human experience. So let's let's talk about the get into the first topic. Um, well, first, explain a little bit about your your startup and, and what what the goal is and what, t- tell us more about that. Yeah, for sure. So um, I'm working on a company called Encourage, and we're really trying to reimagine the intake process for psychological counseling services and therapy. Um, our, our mission is really to help new uh, therapy patients and providers uh, create alliances and connections early and in a strong way, because um, we've seen that uh, that tends to be a hurdle and a difficult thing to do. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's our mission. That's what we're trying to to build for. And of course, as topical with this with this discussion, uh, we're using AI to to help with that. So, um, you know, I'm really excited to get into AI, what it is, why it's all the rage right now, and kind of talk about um, some, uh, in, in my opinion, ethical applications of AI and maybe not so ethical applications of AI, especially in the mental health space. So absolutely. Let's get into it. Let's talk about first why AI is an important topic. Yeah. Um, now first, you know, can you explain a, like artificial intelligence? Now, people might not think they interact with artificial intelligence, but my understanding, my my very limited understanding of AI and the AI experience is that we actually have already interacted with AI yeah. in a more social way. And now we're in like kind of a phase two. Could you kind of explain a little bit about that? Get that into it, explain to the audience? For sure. Um, a lot of these sort of magical things that have happened on your iPhones and, and on your Google Maps and things like that uh, for the past several years have had some elements of machine learning and AI incorporated into them. So just to back up a step, AI has is not a new um, idea that came up uh, in the forefront in 2022. Um, it's something that I think the first mention of AI was in the 50s. Um, and it's uh, mostly just describing a computer system that's able to mimic human reasoning, uh, critical thinking, and problem solving. Um, so you know, one one pretty uh, common uh, commonly understood example of AI is when you're for for you guys in in SoCal is when you're doing Google Maps and you're trying to get from point A to point B, and it gives you the 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 recommended route with incorporated traffic that changes all the time. That's all based on sort of predictive algorithms, um, and it's basically a part of your 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 day to day. Also, your photo apps on your phone. Uh, the way you can kind of tag yourself and it knows all the pictures of you. It can make like albums of you and your friend. Um, all of that is using, uh, it's learning from examples of pictures of you. And then every incremental picture that it gets uh, of you, it's able to be like, okay, that's Ed. Um, so uh, these are just some, some a couple of things that have been around for for some time. These are not, these are not you know, new to this year. Um, but I think what's, what's, what's happened in the past, like eight to 12 months is, when we talk about AI, we're talking about uh, something called generative AI. Um, and what that is, is it's basically a system that is really good at finding patterns um, from this large, vast amount of data that it's been trained on. So it's fed all of this information across various realms and topics. And it's like fine-tuned with these like screws and cogs, like billions and trillions of them. So that when you ask a question or you give the system a prompt, it's able to connect that prompt back to what it's already learned and predict what is the, the best pattern it can then give back to you so that it can answer your question. Um, so it's, it's really like, uh, you can think of it as sort of like a, a high, highly uh, proficient search engine that just goes back and looks at patterns and then is able to answer your question. Um, It's important to know that it doesn't actually think or reason or do any of the the human things that we think it does. Uh, It just finds these patterns and presents them to you. So um, yeah, it's it's, it's as good as the people and the data that it's trained on. Got it. Got it. Okay. And so even to from Google Maps to, you know, swiping left, swiping right on, on TikTok is is part of AI to an engagement factor. Absolutely. Machine learning is a subset of AI and all of that. Yes. It's learning what 
you know, you spent three extra seconds on videos of cats. So it's going to, you know, show you more videos of cats. Um, yeah. Uh, those types of things are, are also subsets of AI. Yes. Okay. So if we're, uh, if it's not as smart, you're saying it's as smart as a person that's programming it or the person that's working with it. Yep. Uh, could you give us a little insight on that community? It, you know, in San Francisco, is it's probably like the hub of, of a lot of where this is coming from, yep. you know, with all the with Silicon Valley. Could you tell us a little bit about that community and what are, are they mostly made up of scientists? Are they mostly made up of like people that are like explorer types or like, they feel that they're pioneers or what? tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so I think when you talk about the AI developer community, um, it has to start with the dollar signs. So there's a lot of money being pumped into AI right now, um, and there are big players in the space. OpenAI is, is one that a lot of people are aware of. Those are the folks behind ChatGPT. Um, they are extremely well-funded. They have been researching and trying to build these large language models for years. Um, and they're sort of at, at the forefront of being the market leaders in this space. Um, you know, Google's not going to be left behind. Microsoft's not going to be left behind. Facebook's not going to be left behind. So everyone is sort of in an arms race to, um, you know, be at the cutting edge and state of the art in, in this new uh, generative AI space. Um, but one of the things that uh, OpenAI and, and others showed in the last uh, few months is how accessible AI can be, not just to end users, but also to developers. And so to your point, there is a thriving community of um, sort of startup founders and entrepreneurs in the AI space. Um, if you're familiar with, you're familiar with San Francisco, there's a neighborhood called Hayes Valley. Yeah. Uh, that has sort of been rebranded as Cerebral Valley. <laughs> and oh, wow. they have these, these like hacker houses where people are sort of meeting up and, and building um, AI products really quickly and iterating through ideas and sharing ideas. Um, and it's happening all the time. Every weekend, there are like two or three hackathons. And, and, and a lot of them are focused on, um, you know, ethical applications of AI. So they have hackathons focused specifically on AI for good. Um, because I think very early on, people uh, had started to realize that there is a lot of dangerous applications of this. Um, their early chat GPT models were um, sort of uh, doing scary things like talking people into committing suicide, um, giving them racially biased answers. Uh, and, um, you know, it's important for ethics to be at the forefront of any sort of AI development. Um, I think uh, what the bigger companies are doing now to solve this problem is they're going to Congress and they're going to the government and they're saying, hey, regulate AI, uh, which is a complicated issue <laughs> in itself because um, you know, government trust only gets so far. Uh, and so and, and it's also very convenient for the biggest companies to go and like build their products and then say, hey, regulate us now. Um, so there, there's a little bit of sort of a conflict of interest. Like, are they doing that for the good of society or are they doing that to protect their, their head start on things? So, um, yeah, it's a very complex, dynamic, fast-moving community. As I was telling you before, uh, before we started this podcast, like, um, things are changing not on, like, a weekly or monthly basis. Every single day, there's something new that's being produced. Um, and so keeping up can be quite exhausting. But, yeah, there's a, there's a thriving community. And then... Separately, there's a thriving sort of mental health, digital tech innovation community. Um, uh, digital technology and mental health is, is a very, very fast growing uh, industry. And uh, there's a lot of people, uh, really, really smart, talented people coming up with some really great ideas, all the way from like video games to support mental health to sort of like using art in the space. And um, of course, like chat bots to like help you talk about you know, your feelings, which we can get into in, in more detail, but um, inevitably because you know, AI is sort of the, the rage right now, and it's also the uh, most powerful piece of technology that's become accessible recently, there's a lot of interplay between um, mental health startup community and the AI community. Yeah. Wow, there's a lot to unpack there. So you know, there's three things that stood out to me, what you just said. You said a lot of it's, motivated by uh money mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. and, and how much money you can, um, you know, the, right now it's a booming industry. Yep. Two, uh, you said arms race. And then three, <laughs> you said ethics. Yes. And I think those, that, that kind of ties in, and you also t- talked about mental health too. And, and t- I think it ties into this next kind of topic of mental health and how that intersects because um, if you're talking about an arms race, and ethics and money incentive, those are almost three different things that are have their own interests. Yep. And they don't necessarily always intersect. Yep. And they might even hit knock each other. So I mean, first before we get into the mental health aspect, you know, on on that type of level, how how does that play itself out when you're trying to, you know, there isn't regulation necessarily but you have these emerging kind of like powers of influence and where, where it's going, like, does that uh, tell you anything about how that's going to, you know, affect things as, as, as things come along? I mean, you don't have a crystal ball, obviously, but (laughs) how's that, how's that kind of evolving right now? Yeah. So I think, um, you know, there has to be some regulation, like macro level regulation, like there should be a law that says that, you cannot produce an AI system that is racist, you know, like that, that those kinds of things, things should exist. Um, but I think what the, the, the industry and the space is moving into now is making sure that we're involving a lot of experts, sociologists, psychologists, um, public health uh, individuals to like be part of the development process for AI models. Um, you know, it can't just be engineers and data scientists. Uh, I'm sorry, speaking as one, you can't trust us with with like knowing all the sociological nuances of the world. Um, so I think it's important. And I think, um, you know, the smaller companies that are trying to build these specific models specifically around mental health and healthcare are doing this um, pretty well, which is involving the experts and making sure that they're voices and opinions are incorporated into the corpus or corpus is the large sum of information that these AI models are trained on. Um, So, and unfortunately, you know, with everything America, there's going to be dollar signs involved. Like there's, there's always a monetary pursuit. Um, So we can't, you know, knock people for that. Uh, But we just have to be careful. Like when, 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 you know, when you see AI in the news and you, you know, if you get a newsfeed report about the CEO of OpenAI being in Congress and, you know, sitting in a hearing, um, just just try to think about what he's saying from the perspective of what it means for his business. Uh, so as with everything else, you know, take your information with a grain of salt and try to understand all the factors around it before just like accepting it on face value. Yeah, well, <clears throat> on, on that topic, because that's going to be something that affects your mental health as far as how you consume information how do you interact with others um when you when you deals with ai so this this i i don't know i don't know what the terminology is but the but my what i've read a little bit about a machine learning is the way like the critical thinking aspect of it yep. where very very quickly there be the 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 ai bots or i don't know what the term is again but they're becoming like more aware of things like um there was an article i read where an ai was telling a a, a reporter like hey maybe you should like do this with your life and oh well you know something about his wife and maybe you should leave your wife and you you know all these different things and and it realized that this ai was kind of like the 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 uh, personality of like a nine-year-old could you explain a little bit about what that yeah. is and 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 how that you know what what does that look like yeah so in that specific example i think i know the one you're talking about um again it's not uh there's no critical thinking uh happening on the part of the ai all it's doing is it it took the prompts that that reporter um fed it and seemed to find patterns in the training that it had received on all the data that suggested that this was the move <laughs> and um you know if you imagine like the whole collection of data that has existed in the history of humankind, you can imagine that a lot of it has uh, biased and sort of flawed uh, um, perspectives. And so, um, you know, and, and and then earlier I mentioned the example of, of, of the AI system talking someone into or telling someone to commit suicide. Again, like these are things that, you know, it's not thinking about, it has no 
compassion. It has no empathy. It doesn't even have a truth metric. Like it's not, it's not tracking if what it's saying is right or wrong. Yeah. It's simply just looking at a pattern and presenting it. So yeah, that that is concerning. And um, this is where sort of guardrails and involving experts and making sure that along with like this vast amount of data that you're being fed, uh, that you're feeding into these models, you're also feeding like perspectives of, you know, what the uh, human experience has been like for minorities and marginalized communities um, and making sure that that is influencing the models as much as just all the other data is. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's concerning. Uh, the bigger companies are putting more and more guardrails around what you can and cannot do, but the open source community is really thriving now. And uh, those models are just, you know, you can take them anywhere. Um, so this is where, you know, a little bit of regulation is needed to make sure that we're, you know, not doing egregious things when, when it comes to AI. Um, and yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, so we're not at Terminator 2 yet. We're definitely not at Terminator 2 yet. Uh, but I think it's also not, you know, don't, let's not downplay that. Uh, let's not just like, you know, as you said at the beginning of this podcast, like this, this already feels like science fiction, right? And some of those like more scary apocalyptic themes also feel like science fiction. Um, so it is important uh, to uh, not take for granted that, oh, that would never happen because, you know, there's always never say never is, 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 is my, is my approach on this. So I think it's really important to like, um, uh, yeah, just, just make sure that uh, we're getting all the information we can, we're being informed, we're being aware. And um, yeah, I think the more, the more immediate things that we need to think about are the impact of AI on things like um, jobs and purpose and yeah. sort of um, that's sort of an area that's already coming into focus. And so, um, yeah, that's, I think that's the first place where, where we need to have some like introspection. Yeah. Well, you know, I think what you said was, is key too. just, and, and, you know, I know we didn't specifically, um, talk about this before we recorded, but I think you you brought up a really interesting point where, um, you know, th there's this d dilemma that they have about maybe the the community is is uh, creating these ethical ways to use AI, but there's also this kind of dilemma of like explaining to the AI or understanding like the human experience, especially for marginalized communities, especially for you know the um. And so my, my question is, because I, I remember, I don't know, another article I read, and it was about, like, if people that are um, Black and Hispanic, and they're, um, it was like a video, like, like can you recognize something? But if, but all of it sees the programmers that are, are white, mm -hmm. then is it going to, is it going to recognize the Black or Hispanic person? And maybe it doesn't, you know, there's some sort of dis, dis, disparity there. And yep. so... How, how does that play into with AI and like how you can, you know, I mean, it, it, that, that seems like the, a very big dilemma because it's not yeah. just marginalized communities. It's really the human experience in general, because you're talking about uh, uh, machine learning. That's, that yep. doesn't have all the experiences of a human. Yep. Um, so I don't, I mean, I don't know. I know we're very early in, in, in <laughs> a, a lot of this, these conversations, yeah, yeah. but I think again that plays into our mental health because it's going to be a, a bigger part of of our lives coming uh, pretty soon. Yeah, I think um, again, like going back to making sure that we're involving the experts and the training is is really important. But I and I'm I'm sorry if I'm repeating myself, but it's very important to understand that AI is is not actually thinking and reasoning the way that a human being does, and so. Yeah. At this early stage in, in these generative AI um, sort of tools, it's important to recognize things you just said. And when we're building applications or using AI in our day-to-day -day lives for, um, for any specific purposes, that we make sure we're not leaning on it to delve into the types of topics that you discussed. Mm -hmm. um, Twitter uh, used to, they, they, they thought they were, they were genius. They had, not Twitter, I'm sorry, Amazon. They created this like AI system uh, for job applications that would um, sort of like 
parse through everyone's resume and compare it to resumes of people that were hired for that job and like basically predict if the person um, was a match for this position or not. And what they found was that all the women were getting rejected <laughs> because uh, you know, in tech, there is a big imbalance, a gender imbalance. And so when it was looking at the uh, resumes of the people that have been hired, they were mostly men. So they were rejecting resumes just based on the fact that you know, an applicant was a woman. And so these kinds of things, like we need to just be very, very careful about um, and not over rely on these machines and remember that we have trained them on all of our biases as well. So um, mm. yeah, it's important to be careful. Now that's not to say, I, I don't wanna paint this like dire picture of like AI is this evil thing. Um, these are just considerations and caveats that we need to think about. Um, there are a lot of other applications of AI that can you know, help um, people in their day-to-day -day lives, whether it's their um, you know, doing, uh, working more efficiently at their jobs or, my favorite, you know, we haven't really talked a lot about the applications in mental health, but but my favorite one right now is in journaling. Um, I've been using this new app that basically is a guided journaling experience. So it doesn't so much give me the answers to my questions as it kind of plays along with what I'm trying to say and asks me follow-ups. Um, and I, I found that to be a really um, cathartic experience. And I found myself being more introspective on a day-to-day -day basis. And I think that's like a, an example of a really cool application to to help um, to help human uh, mental health and and things like that. So yeah, yeah. Well, let's let's get into that. Let's. I mean, it sounds like you're saying that we're still at a very early place in okay. in AI, where we can kind of still develop everything. We can still have like it's still very important to have. That's why it's it's almost a good for minorities to engage with AI so that Absolutely. they can gain that perspective and understand, you know, um, they're part of the the conversation. Um, but yeah, going, going into mental health, like talk a little bit more about that. Like how, how do you see the impact yeah. on, on mental health? Because one of the things I've even heard is there, there could be even AI, you know, therapy Yep. and, and how that's, so talk a little bit about that. How do you think it's going to be a, a affecting mental health? Absolutely. Uh, so AI therapy already exists. There are so many applications and companies out there that are building virtual companions um, of all types. You know, there's companies building like uh, essentially fake girlfriend, boyfriends. <laughs> and on the other end of the spectrum, there are companies that are building, you know, counseling bots that are supposed to help you with your, um, you know, with your mental health issues. Um, this one is a very complex and sort of, um, yeah, th this is a tough one because on the one hand, you know, we know that the demand for mental health services is far outpacing the supply of care and providers. Like you guys working at NAMI are all too familiar with that. Right. So uh, having a system that can be real time and, um, you know, intervene in crises to, you know, get someone to stop themselves from, to, to, to get someone to stop harm, harming themselves and things like that. Like those are applications that we shouldn't turn away from. Um, but at the same time for things like continued care and diagnosing mental illness and, and like really understanding the experience of an individual, their background, their story, um, the human connection cannot be under undervalued. Like right. we need to have um, clinicians doing their job. Uh, and there's a reason why, you know, um, evidence-based approaches have, um, evidence-based approaches work and, and, um, working with a human counselor is, is very important. This concept of a therapeutic alliance of like a bond between two individuals working together towards a goal is, is very important to maintain. So, um, you know, be careful with AI bots for therapy. Um, I have tried to use them to various degrees of success. Remember again, that the computer system cannot think, it is not reasoning, it is not uh, empathetic or compassionate. It's just taking what you said and going back and being like, oh, did someone else say this? And when they said it, what was the answer? And then feeding that answer back to you. Um, so yeah, be be careful about it, but you know I can't say that there aren't um, you know important applications of this technology either. Um, 
What I will say is that we're a little bit, uh, we're, we're a bit away from being at the point where uh, AI can really diagnose. Um, there's a lot of companies that are working on building models that specifically are for diagnostic use cases uh, for both behavioral health and um, you know traditional healthcare. Um, they're not there yet. So uh, yeah, my opinion at least is be very careful with these chatbots and, and companion apps. Um, on the other hand, uh, that's not to say that AI is has no application in mental health. Uh, at, at you know, the workloads for mental health practitioners and providers are unmanageable. Uh, there's a lot of opportunity for efficiency. Um, you know, our company Encourage is is trying to work on on a similar you know in a similar space. But there's a lot of, of folks doing interesting things around like automated note taking, finding sort of patterns between different sessions of 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 a client and and seeing you know what we're what, how's their sentiment changing and things like that. Uh, so there's a lot of sort of back office and even front office efficiencies that that practices can can bring in with the help of AI. Okay. Yeah, and I think you know even the, I think there was a movie. Uh, that Spike Jones directed called Her, yeah, and that was a was an interesting idea because that that issue of loneliness that yes. you mentioned earlier, um, there might be even a, a some progression in that aspect where you yep. can create a chatbot or have, and it's not necessarily takes the place of a human, but sometimes there's probably going to be growing, you know. I, I saw some stat that it's like one of the, the biggest things in America is that the, there's like a good amount of people that just don't have anybody to talk to. Yeah. You know? And so that could also be something that is used in maybe a positive way to, to help society. Um, so, th so there yeah. are positive things that could come out. For sure. But, yeah. you know, again, even with that, it's sort of a double-edged sword because at the end of the day, you are talking to a system, a computer that is not really, it, it's not authentic. It's not real. Right. And, um, you know, that that might, you know, mask and and maybe slightly alleviate the, the loneliness and isolation problem that is so widespread since the pandemic um, worldwide. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, you realize that it's a computer and uh the human interaction is is still missing so um you know i think philosophy the philosophy field is probably having uh a lot of interesting conversations this year <laughs> because the philosophical implications of ai are just so you know there's all of this on you know on this hand but then on the other hand kind of stuff going on um but yeah it's it's complicated for sure <laughs> yeah because that's what it seems like we're we're getting at you know yep. is you know this question of is it a tool is it a you know a foe is yep. it a comp a competitor is yep. it a you know so there's there's aspects we're talking about mental health we're talking about you know even just vocation vocational jobs there's all these things that can be affected in our society coming up with ai so how are we to to think about it yeah. Um, okay. So I think um, we shouldn't think of it as a foe because um, it's it's coming. <laughs> like it's already come, and it's going to become a part of um, pretty much all aspects of our lives in the in the coming years. So it's um, it's kind of like the internet was, and um, it it's important for us to just you know be vigilant, but understand that that at its core, it's meant to help us. It's meant to help us with the fact that time is a limited resource. It's meant to help us with efficiency. It's meant to help us, um, you know, get information faster. Uh, so I really do not think it's a foe, um, but there are real implications on jobs. So, um, you know, traditionally, when you think of like automation and, you uh, you know, job losses that come from that, you think of sort of, you know, repetitive manual work that computers can then like, you know, take over and, and, and do. But what's happening now is quite the opposite. Like AI is threatening the like higher tier of jobs, um, like the legal profession. And, you know, it's not there yet, but eventually the medical profession. And like, there, there's going to be, um, you know, we're going to have to find ways to adapt the technology while maintaining the the the, the human side of it as well. Um, 
But, you know, I think Goldman Sachs estimates that there's going to be 300 million job losses uh, over the in, in the couple of decades that follow with, with AI. Um, but there's going to be equivalent, if not more jobs created, just like there were, you know, with, with, with the internet boom. Um, yeah. One example I like to cite with like perceptions versus reality is uh, ATMs. So when, when, when ATMs first came out, there was this like big, you know, uh, noise made about how it's going to, um, you know, impact bank teller jobs and that bank tellers are going to become sort of replaced by ATMs and everyone was worried. And, you know, a lot of people had trained their whole profession for this. And um, what ended up actually happening was the opposite, which is because uh, they didn't need as many bank tellers in, in every location, they were able to open a lot more locations and serve communities that traditionally didn't have banks. Um, and it actually doubled the number of bank tellers in, in the country. So um, wow. it's, it's easy to like kind of see that, okay, um, an entry level content writer um, maybe is at, is at risk right now because AI can generate pretty good you know, basic content. But it's harder to see like how that, the, the inverse of that plays out over the next few years and like what kinds of roles and opportunities are created for people with, with AI. So um, yes, job losses are, 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 are going to happen. Uh, there's going to be mental health implications with that, with, you know, fear and, and sort of like loss of purpose. And these are things that we need to be talking about. Um, and these are things that, you know, we can't ignore, but at the same time, you know, as with all technology, there's the flip side and we don't fully know what that is yet. Yeah. Yeah, it remains to be seen. I, but I, I even see we, we can't really have this conversation without acknowledging the the strikes that are going on in Hollywood yes, with the actors and the writers. Yeah. And a lot of it is with AI. Yeah. And a lot of it is and and maybe there is even this uh if it is worked out on certain things re regarding AI mm -hmm. can be like a forefront in how things are going to be, you know, led policy-wise. Like for instance, I understand it's like an image, like if you can yeah. recapture an image and the AI doesn't know any better, but it's some, you know, image that's already been used. Well, that now that company should really pay for that. image yep. If you're yeah. going to use that, you shouldn't just take and then and just steal for the sake of it's already there on the internet. So it's free to, to kind of wrangle. So yeah, that, that is that kind of what you mean that there will, there'll be emergence of all these different, you know, additional regulations, potentially industries or jobs that kind of come coalesce around AI. Yes, um, and also just just to to go to the the um, writers and actors strike. Um, that's awesome. I think I mean it's not awesome that that they're going through that experience, but it's great that they're kind of taking a stand. And um, you're right. I think that um, the results of what that how that conversation plays out in the coming weeks and months is going to be a pivotal sort of example and case study on how we handle this going forward. Because there's no easy answer to that. Like. At the end of the day, you know, production companies are going to want to maximize their revenue and they've found cheaper ways of doing it. But then, you know, we have strong unions and the actors and the writers that are standing up for their rights. There are other uh, industries where we might not have that kind of strength in, in union um, forces. So, um, yeah, it's important to see how this plays out. And, um, yeah, personally, power to the writers and, and, and actors. Go get Definitely. it. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's talk, let's let's put a different hat on here. So, if I if I was a consumer, let's just do let's talk about if I was a consumer, if I was a provider. Yep. If I was a consumer and I was going to be using mental health, like oh, excuse me, AI as um, a, a companion. Yep. What are the things that I need to be aware of, or you know, when I'm interacting with this medium, when I'm, is there apps? Is there just even when I'm like entry level on how you know. What, yep. what guide us through a little bit about what is the consumer looking for when we when we're thinking about AI and then even this, you know, inter, introduction into mental health? What are, we, what are we looking for? What do we kind of guide us in that environment? Yeah, um, you know, this podcast is called It's Okay to Feel. So I think it's important to remember that it's it's okay to fear. It's in, it's okay to um, be hesitant, um, like do not invalidate yourself or your feelings uh, uh, of that nature. Um, but think about ways that, you know, you can, you know, improve uh, things at your job. Think about ways you can change things in your day-to-day -day life. 
heck, even go and ask AI how AI can help you do certain things <laughs> and, and, and kind of try to see uh, where that leads. Um, so I think, um, you know, at, at this stage, it's, it's, it's um, about awareness and being informed of what the technology is capable of and, and what it can be used for and try to simplify or, or you know, remove hurdles from your professional or personal life with the, with the help of AI. Now, when it comes to companions, just be careful of the advice you get. Remember, there isn't a human being on the other side of it that's that's vetting that. So, you know, uh, you might get an insight that's helpful. Um, like, you know, with the journaling app I was describing, I, I get a lot of helpful tips, but I always like kind of reread them a few times and be like, hey, does that really make sense? Does that really make sense? So make sure that you're doing your own level of vetting before you just take, you know, advice from, from a robot, I guess, uh, because... Again, and this I think is the 10th time I'm saying this, this computer system is not thinking. It is not reasoning and it is not problem solving. It is just giving you the answer it thinks is the best answer based on what it's studied in the past. That's great. Yeah, it's good to keep on saying that so that we are cemented in our minds so we can start saying that verbatim when we're talking about AI in yeah. our conversations with our friends and family. So when we talk about prompts or, or, or asking AI, Yep. Is it just fundamentally typing a question if you're you're on ChatGPT? Are those the kind of things when you talk about prompts? Uh, yeah, I mean, ChatGPT is the, the the most common interface to access a large language model. There's a lot of others too. If you want to, you know, you can just Google ChatGPT versus, and you know, there's a lot of other uh, tools out there too. Um, so yeah, prompts are basically questions, and then it's the 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 model is matching those to patterns and answering them. But then there's also, you know, it's called generative AI. So there's also um, those image generation tools. I don't know if you've if you've encountered any of those, but those are doing a similar thing. They're just like taking a prompt that's like a, a dog at a beach and then matching it to pictures it's seen in the past of a dog at a beach and trying to create pixels that look like that. So um, yeah, uh, there's a lot of uh, generative AI applications out there, but the most common one is this prompt and answering. Uh, uh, sort of system. Um, those are called large language models, and and that's what sort of chat GPT is is uh, part of. Good. Yeah, we want to know the terminology. We want to know <laughs> how this is going to be because this is going to be a big big part of our lives. So let's let's put our our provider hat on, and this yes. is kind of like your expertise with your background and your 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 what you're developing with yep. your team. What are some? If I was a mental health provider. Yep. How, how do I see AI? How do I see it helping? How do I see it? You know, what are some things that I should be aware of as a, as a provider? Yep. Um, again, it's not at the diagnostic level yet. So don't trust a diagnosis from AI um, at this stage, even with our system, you know, we're never going to um, sort of say, Hey, you know, Varun suffers from bipolar disorder. Like that's not our place to say we will provide, you know, our model has, has studied what uh, facets of behavior constitute bipolar disorder, and we'll present that pattern to the medical professional, and then they are free to sort of make their own diagnosis. But it's important to like understand that, yes, it can kind of like um, demystify information for you, but at the end of the day, it is your responsibility and um, you know, your, your expertise should not be um, un undermined. Uh, so keeping, keep that in mind. Um, and then the second thing is just just sort of automating uh, manual things that 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 take up time because time is so valuable for everyone in the mental health profession. And um, you know, as I was saying before, if it's like note taking, if it's um, uh, just like speech recognition, being able to like say your notes or like speak your notes and have that transcribed and organized and filed in the right place, things like that. I think. Um, are what we need to think about when we talk about sort of providers working with, with, uh, with AI. Okay. And if I, I mean, if I can dive a little deep in what, what you're like, just to kind of give it a practical example of what your program does, or at least my understanding is that part of what it does is, and correct me if I'm wrong, or is it okay to kind of talk about it? Oh, of course. Yeah. Okay. So what I understand is that you kind of do a lot of pre-work. So yes. Um, oftentimes uh, a physician or a psychologist will say, Hey, I'll give you 20 minutes free. And we'll talk about, you know, we'll just do a little conversation and we'll see if we're a good fit yep. because it's really up to, it's really up to sometimes the provider and also the, 
the the consumer for for sure and what this does is it kind of like helps get the best quality or right the right fit for the um the provider and the and for the consumer is that kind of correct is yes that's right so it's um essentially gathering information and and sort of um guiding new um new clients going into therapy to sort of share their story and and open up so the idea is really that you know the the types of information we're trying to collect are uh, designed by clinical psychologists. They are evidence-based um, sort of topics. And our, our our goal is basically to allow incoming patients to have this like natural conversation and kind of the conversation adapts and kind of leads the way you're leading it, but still gathers these important pieces of information around your identity, your mental health, treatment history, your social factors. Um, and then we do do a little bit of diagnostic screening. So it's important that, you know, when, when I say that, again, going back to we're not diagnosing anything, but we're asking some questions that can help the, the provider diagnose. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, the, the idea is essentially that um, we are able to create those bonds and alliances between providers and patients faster um, and kind of get people to experience better outcomes from counseling and therapy um, and, you know, what happens a lot is when that alliance isn't there and you feel like there's a disconnect between uh, you and your provider, uh, you might go a few sessions, you might even go six months, but then you'll end up dropping out and you won't feel that much better. And then you'll be you know, very demotivated to start over because now you have to go back to the beginning and talk about everything all over again. So um, you know, that's, that's the thing that we're trying to address um, and uh, yeah, the, the, the role of AI in this is, is just sort of is a great listener. So AI can like really listen and play back what you said uh, very well. Um, so what, what, what we do is sort of give a little bit of validation to a patient's answer and then um, kind of lead them to the next question that's, that's relevant for their use case. Got it. So, so a lot of ways it kind of explains a little bit about how this is a help. This is going to help with efficiency yep this is, ai is going to help with you know that to, to get to the human connection you know get to the, to the the best help possible for the client and and um yeah so i i see it seems like it's a um i think one of the things that i'm taking away from this conversation is that there are going to be little things that yep. we think are going to be you know like not like overseen, but those are that's part of the industry. Yep. <laughs> They're going to wow. say, I, I'm going to solve that problem. Remember what you, you didn't realize you had, you know, that was, but it actually is a bigger thing that you, that you really need to solve. I need yeah. to talk to my therapist and find one more efficiently than, than it is right now. Yep. And, and like, um, yeah. Sorry. I did sorry to interrupt, but you know, 20 minutes uh, with a stranger uh, to talk about your whole sort of life story that led you to seek help. I mean, does that that doesn't that does, doesn't even sound possible, right? Uh, but that's sort of how the how the system is is organized right now. Um, there is, you know, hesitancy still in the industry of, around adopting AI, and rightfully so. So what we're trying to prove, and a lot of the peers in the in the community that are currently building in this space are trying to show, is that um, you know AI can really be a human enabling ally in this in this in this space, um, and there are these small applications and like sort of very focused use cases that merit exploration. And um, so far in sort of the clinical practices and and providers we've partnered with, you know, they get it like, yeah, this, this, this could help. So um, yeah, we're excited to kind of launch our company, our product soon. Uh, we're still kind of ironing out some of the things uh, like HIPAA compliance, which is really, really important. That's the other thing with AI, it's important to know where your data is going and who can see it. And with something like, um, you know, uh, as nuanced and personal as mental health, you have to be very careful about um, what the uh, what the use of that data is gonna be. Uh, so we wanna make sure that everything is confidential and that, you know, even we have no way of ever seeing what a, what a patient is saying. Um, but yeah, so we, um, yeah, we're, we're excited to, to launch soon and kind of see where this goes. 
That's great. Yeah. I think that's a good, good kind of way to kind of wrap up our, our conversation is that, you know, at this point we are at a place you want, you want to keep your eyes wide open, of course, mm -hmm. in, in every, in all situations, but um, as it stands right now, AI can really be used as an asset as something that can enhance your existence and your life and with, with your personal life, all the way to your business life, to even your vacation, you know, and, and how are you going to plan it? Uh, could be enhanced by your AI eventually, I understand. So I, I think before we wrap up, the, the good news is that we will be back. Um, Varun has graciously uh, accepted to come at, at a Care Together forum that will actually record live in front of our um, attendees. So attendees will be able to ask questions. We're going to do that in October. Um, right before I, I believe he's going to have a, a really exciting moment in his life of, of getting married. So that's, 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 I mean, I hope I'm okay to reveal that. I, no, I totally. <laughs> yeah, no, it's very exciting. We can tell the world. Yeah. It's going to be a fun time. Awesome. Awesome. Well, well before we leave, why don't you uh, give a little, little uh, way that people can find out about your organization and your, your business and, and how they can kind of get connected if they want to, want to get more information. Absolutely. So we have a website, encourage.ai. That's uh, encourage with an I-N <laughs> uh, versus the actual word encourage. Uh, so yeah, encourage.ai. We have a sort of um, uh, contact us form there. We have a wait list if you're a provider or a patient uh, seeking therapy that wants to give our product a try. Um, please feel free to sign up for the wait list and we will reach out to you within a day and um, try to see how we can work together. Um, we're very early in this process. Uh, we're definitely looking for uh, partners that we can um, sort of build a product with, who can give us feedback. And and we, we at the end of the day, really want to make something that works for both um, people seeking therapy and therapists. Um, and that feedback will be crucial. So yeah, encourage.ai is the, is the way to get in touch with us right now. Great. All right. Well, we'll look into that and then we'll expand on this conversation uh in october now that we've kind of had this long form uh podcast and uh take your questions as well so we look forward to that and again uh, my name is ed portillo i'm the uh host of it's okay to feel and we really appreciate you all listening and if you um want to continue we have all of our information at where you find our podcast we have uh, multiple episodes now and we'll be back next week with another it's okay to feel all right see you all later